concluded the book of Ephesians by looking at the whole armor of God. And if there is anything you should remember is that we cannot exhaust talking about the armor of God. It goes from capacity building to um, the enumerated weapons like the word of God being the shield of I mean the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and special graces. Don't forget that that God gives to subdue or, 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 or overcome a particular warfare. I did tell you of the brother who was speaking in tongues and the enemy saw it as fire. That's unique. It's a weapon. It's an ammo. So you just know you can speak in tongues, but what follows, you may not be able to um, comprehend it. But when the Bible says we should put on the whole armor of God, the summary is that we should build spiritual capacity and let God be able to tap into our armory and give us the right weapon. That's why he said, I will put my word in your mouth. Now, God will not put a word you don't know in your mouth. If you don't know Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, for instance, he says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you don't know that that word exists in the scripture. You, there's nothing anybody can do. So your building capacity prepares you as a, a loaded a Christian to be able to confront any warfare. So today, having said that, we are moving to the letter of Paul to the Philippians. So we are starting the book of Philippians. And um, like I always say, it's a privilege to be taking this. In fact, I've been with Daddy, he's just struggling to come down. So much to do. And incident, I mean, eventually... We agreed that I should come and take this. Well, hopefully next um, Tuesday it will come and take. But anytime we have opportunity, we'll keep looking at this. So, the church at Philippi, by the way, um, will be zeroing in on Philippians 1, verse 1 to 11. That's from chapter 1. But we want to first of all understand the book of Philippians. Understand the story behind it, which is very important in the understanding of the scriptures. When you understand the story, by the time you are reading the Rema 
comes easily. So, the church at Philippi was one of the, I mean, Philippi was one of the most important city in Macedonia in those days. And Macedonia is a, or was a colony of Roman Empire. In fact, I tried to read the history because today Macedonia still exists, but exists as an empire. I mean, I think uh, not, not northern Macedonia it still exists, but their story dates back to the Bible days, um, their conquest of the Greece, they conquered Greece, and was at a particular time under Alexander, Alexander IV, was a very great empire, and then eventually they bowed to superior power of Rome. And was, it was in that era that the church in Philippi, which was under Macedonia, was bathed. Now, Acts chapter 16 and verse 12 tells us more about that. So let's go and see Acts 16 and verse 12. And if you are there, you can read it. Acts 16 verse 12, the Bible says, And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, a colony of the Roman Empire, and we were in that city abiding certain days. That was the account of Luke reading, I mean writing um, the book of Acts, talking about how they came to that region. By the way, Macedonia is in Europe. And as a Roman colony, its citizen possesses the same rights and laws as it is with those who lived in Italy. Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke established the church there after they crossed from Asia into Europe. That's also in 16 verse 12 now. If you read all the way down to 40, you will see how they met um, Lydia, how they evangelized Lydia. In fact, it's such an interesting story of how the church spread. If you look at this story, it began to say, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside. They went out for evangelism where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Tyre, Tyre, which worshipped God, heard us, who sat the Lord open, and she attended unto the things which were spoken unto her. You know, they were just uh, strolling, and they saw this woman, sat down, evangelized her, 
And that was the beginning of a church. Brethren, we need to evangelize more. Praise the Lord. That was how Philippi was eventually, I mean, eventually became a church through Lydia, a woman. And when she gave her life, they baptized her, and she was happy. And the Bible says she said to them, if really you, you, you think I'm born again, really, stay in my house. He stayed in their house. So don't despise your going out. This Saturday we are going out, and you never can tell. Somebody you win for Christ must become a pillar for the Lord. So it was a group of Christians, that's the church in Philippi, of whom Paul was very fond. He called it its mem he called its members his joy and crown. Philippians 4 1. The Christians in Philippi were not rich. They were not rich, but in their poverty and lack, they did exploit. They supported Paul financially and they also gave money for the poor in Jerusalem. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you are there, I would like you to help me to read. It's already on the board. Yes, go ahead. Of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their uh, uh, the Bible says they, they are deep poverty. So they were poor, but For they were giving. So their power, I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Praying Pray. us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry, ministry to the saints. Verse 5. And this, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own self to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. Praise Verse the six. Lord. It's okay. Praise the Lord. So, you discover that poverty or lack, this church is telling us, shouldn't be a hindrance to giving. They were, in fact, the Bible says, in their deep Poverty abounded the riches of their liberality. So it's, it's a unique church. So the church was battered, and Paul left them and went to Rome, supposedly, and there he was imprisoned. And even in the prison, he wrote a letter. And now, summarily, we will see the purpose of Paul's letter, which is also a very short summary of the entire book, is one, to thank the Christians at Philippi for the gift that they had sent him by Epaphroditus. Philippians 4, 18. That's 
where Philippians 4.19 came, that we all claim the Lord shall supply all my needs, but actually, it's not a prayer of, it's not a wishful prayer. It was something that came out of what was done. Hello? So, it's because they did something. That was why Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs. So, let's read Philippians 4, 18 and 19. moment i have all i have all i have all i need and mm. more i am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with epaphroditus mm. they are a sweet smelling sacrifice mm. that is acceptable and pleasing to god yep. 19 and this same god who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Number two was to inform the Christians at Philippi about his own circumstances, which was that he was in bond, he was in prison. He also wanted to tell them that Epaphroditus had recovered from his dangerous illness. Philippians 2 25 to 28. Philippians 2, 25 to 28. Yes, I suppose it is, is necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor, and fellow soldiers, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. 26. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that because that ye had heard that he had been sick. 27. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him alone only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. 28. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Epaphroditus was sick near unto death. A man of God said, What happened to Apostle Paul that raised the dead, that healed several sick, I mean sick people, when it comes to his own aid, he could not do anything. That's to tell you that nobody is God. God alone is God. So, but eventually, like he said, God had mercy on them and he was healed. Number three is to appeal for unity and for the end of quarrels in the church. Number four, to warn them about false doctrine especially that of Jewish Christians who insisted on circumcision for Gentiles. Number four, five, to urge them to remain loyal to their faith and to stand firm against opponents. We will see all of those um, outlined as we study. Praise the Lord. 
So let's quickly go to chapter 1. And we will just read along as we look at them closely. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are in Philippi, with the bishop and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from, our, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at that a little closer. Um, it, is, it is commonplace to see Apostle Paul introducing himself as a servant of Christ. In fact, that was one of the um, conditions that helped what we call easy canonization of his books. And that was also what is bringing um, argument about his authorship of the book of Hebrews because he did not introduce himself like he normally does in all his writing. Some people have said the writing is Paul's um, way of writing, but how come he did not introduce himself? So it is customary for him to introduce himself, but what is unique is that he introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And this place now, he introduced himself, by the way, um, he was not the writer, but he was the, you know in those days, if you remember our mothers, they want to write letters, they'll be dictating to you, isn't it? Tell him, write it. Tell him that I've, I've been waiting for him, he didn't come. That one will write it. Have you written that? I want you to write it very well. Him. You write it. That was how letters were written those days. And so it was not strange that a lot of the books we ascribe to Apostle Paul were actually handwritten by his aides. But he was the one behind it. Praise the Lord. So in this case, the, the letter was handwritten by Timothy. But Paul was the one dictating it. So he said two of them are servants of Christ. That's very instructive. And the question is, how come they can be bold to say they are servants? How come they acknowledge that they are servants? How come they didn't call themselves bosses or uh, friends of Jesus. It is simply because they have the heart of servants. Praise the Lord. And I discovered that that was very, is a common um, identity for all Christians at that time. Just like in Nigeria, there was a time where common title for every Christian was brother and sister. Hello? 
bro, bro James, sister S. But these days, you say, brother Femi, he will look at you and say, don't you know I'm ordained? What do you mean? Don't you know I'm ordained? He may be laughing, but it's a serious matter in some cases. You introduce a sister or a brother who is a pastor. You call him brother. <laughs> Trouble. Praise the Lord. But here, let's look at the word of God. Titus 1.1, James 1.1, Jude 1.1, and then Revelation 19.10 you will see that all of them introduce themselves as servants. So shall we read? Yes. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay. According to the faith of God's elect. Which one are you reading? Titus 1.1. 1, 1. Okay. All right. According, according to the faith of God's elect. Yes. And the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. All right. Yes. Jude 1, 1. Yes. This letter is for Hold on. Jude. Hold on. She's reading Jude, so. Yes. I'm brother of James. Help, help us to open to Second Peter. Jude, the servant of so Jesus. Jesus. It's okay. We have, we have heard what we want. Yes. Um, Sister Okolawo, take the next one. Yes. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, mm. just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Second Peter one one. Second Peter one one. Simon Peter, mm. a servant and apostle of mm. Jesus Christ, yes. to them that have obtained, obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Did you see all of them at diverse times introduced themselves as servants? It was born out of what Jesus taught them. It was born out of humility. It was born out of understanding that servitude, not servitude now, let me know is that word servitude. Stewardship, which is a better word. Stewardship is, I mean, confers responsibility. Praise the Lord. And so, what, were, what they were saying invariably is that servants serve their master. So when they say, I'm a servant, what they are saying, I have a master that I'm serving. I have somebody I am responsible to. I have somebody I'm answerable to. I cannot do just anything that I want. So can we read Daniel 6 and verse 20? Daniel 6 verse 20. voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Praise the Lord. 
Look at, look at that phrase. I mean, look at that sentence. O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest. So, he did not just say he's a servant. Others knew him that he serves the living God. Praise the Lord. We are all supposed to be servants, serving our God. But the question is, do people acknowledge us to be so? Do they say, we, do they know truly that we are servants of God? Because, I've always said it, Christianity is great. But Christianity is a way of life different from the worldly life that we live. And so, we must be so seen to be living out that way of life. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, in Matthew 28, 11, or 11, 28, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy lady, and I will give you, that's 11, 28, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy lady, and I will give you rest. And I say, take my yoke. Go to 29. Go to 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly heart, and you shall find rest for So There is a yoke that comes upon us in Christianity, and it, it limits us from doing what we are supposed to do naturally. Hello? Are you aware that when you carry a yoke in your neck, number one, you can't run beyond what the yoke can take you. In the same vein, you can be more energized if the other partner is stronger than you are. That's why they yoke two animals together. So, Christianity confers so many things upon us. Brethren, we are servants of God. As servants, we are not totally free. Hello? We are not totally free. That's why the Bible says, Galatians 5.1, we should stand in the liberty. There is a liberty in the liberty where with Christ had made us free. That liberty has a confinement. We are not totally free. We are within the sphere of Jesus. If you go out, you enter the realm of Satan. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. So, they served their master, servants. Number two, they are faithful. They are faithful. Servants are faithful. First Corinthians 4.2 tells us that a requirement in stewardship is that a man be found faithful. Praise the Lord. So, if you call yourself a servant of God, you must be faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be very, very diligent and focused and consistent in what we do. It is the faithfulness of God to life that wakes up 
up every money. Praise the Lord. That's why the transition between sleep and waking up, nobody have control over it. You just sleep. After some time, you wake up. But that interval in between is as good as dead. But because God is faithful, he comes to wake us up. And he does that religiously. Are you aware that even when it's raining, the sun has risen? Hello? 7 a.m. It starts raining. Sun does not stop. It has been put in orbit. That's why when this rain stops by 4, your shadow will be on the other side. Telling you the sun has been moving. God has set it in orbit and his faithfulness sustains it. Praise the Lord. So, we need to be faithful in our little ways. Things committed unto our hands. Especially what God has committed unto us. We must be faithful to it. We must be faithful to our master. Elijah was known to be very, very faithful. That was why he got what he wanted. They wait on their master. This one is very important. Servants wait on their master. And I try to bring out the definition of what it means to wait on your master. It is to be constantly diligent for your master. How many of you would like a servant when you come back from work? The servant is not there for you. Maybe your house help is not there for you. And then you call, you are bought from for how? Call her, where are you? Say, I'm in Abulegba. Uh, uh, what are you doing there? And I just came to see my sister. And you know I should be at home by now. To wait on your master is to always be there for him. Or in a place, if you talk about waiting, is to attend assiduously all the exercise. Everything that needs to be done. And when you wait on a person, is to adhere closely to that person as a servitor, as somebody who serves. And I discover that waiting on your master is a very important prerequisite of a good servant. Second Kings 2, 5, Acts 10 and verse 7. Yes. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to mm. Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yeah, mm. I know it. Hold ye your peace. No, no, no. That's 2 Kings. Let's read 2 Kings 5 2. Eh? No, 2 Kings 5 2. Yes. Yes. And the, and, yes. and the Syrians had gone out by companies mm. and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel. Yeah. A little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Yes. That little maid, the Bible says she waited on Naaman's wife. 
she was the one that we attended. If, if you have been watching African films on, uh, on TV, especially this traditional film, you see that princes and princesses, they have mates, isn't it? In fact, one of the most beautiful film and interesting film is coming to America. You see how they almost killed that prince with, that was why he rebelled. Everything, he does not bait himself. They bait him, they dress him, they wear his shoe. He rebelled and he told his father, no, I want freedom. Praise the Lord. But they were doing their duty. Praise God. They were doing their duty. And they did it seriously to the point that the man was overwhelmed. So, it is required of servant. Can I ask you, are you, do you wait on God? Don't we, at times, you want to start a business. It is when you have started the business that you now inform God two days. Say, Lord, come and bless this business. So, you see, you said, anything I lay my hands on shall prosper. I've laid my hand on this. So, but when you wanted to start, you didn't tell him. Praise God. You didn't wait for him to say, go ahead or don't go ahead. A lot of things. A lot of things. It is, in fact, that the people told us a story a long time ago. You know, when we attacked me, it was an usher. It was an usher. It was the head usher. And then, as a head usher, Pastor Adele was the pastor in charge, went for a meeting. He had to wait until somewhere, maybe 10 p.m., when the man came back. Or more than that. Because there was no GSM then. All the master, the pastor said was, I was going to a meeting. I am coming back. And he actually came back. And he met him waiting. Try it nowadays. Thank God there's GSM. Pastor, I'm going to, I left the key under the chair for you. Praise God. May God help us. But it is an attribute of a servant. He waited. And the sad story, according to that story, was that after the man of God came and discharged him, he was going home late in the night. His car broke down and it was raining. What will you do if me say, next time, next time, I know what I will do. I know what I will do. May God help us. We no longer have the heart of a servant. I pray that God will restore that heart in us. It's a very serious attribute that we have lost as Christians of these days. Now, it went on in our text, verse number two. It said, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, which is also a common prayer that um, Apostle Paul prays. We saw it when we were studying the book of Ephesians. I mean, uh, yes, efficient. But what I want to ask here, what I want to bring out here, is that grace 
and peace, no matter how much it is prayed, is spiritual. Everybody say it's spiritual. Let's read the Bible. Proverbs 3, 34. Yes. Surely he scorned the scorners, mm-hmm. but they giveth grace unto the lowly. He scorned the scorners and giveth grace unto the lowly. It means invariably that the proud cannot get grace. True or false? And if the proud cannot get grace, no matter how much you pray for the proud and say, Receive ye the grace of God, grace will keep bouncing back. He said, he does not deserve it. Because there is a prerequisite. There is a condition for which several spiritual blessings and laws manifest. The Bible also told us in James chapter 4 and verse 6, Luke 10, 4 to 6, let's read them. Yes. But the grace of God, mm-hmm. for the grace of God gives is even stronger but the, okay but the grace that god gives yeah. is even stronger yeah. reading from good news yeah as the scripture says god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble god resists the proud so the point i'm making here is that we should begin to key in into certain conditions so that we can have certain blessings. I've said it again that there are prayers we must sincerely pray for ourselves. One of them is to say, God, please humble me. Praise the Lord. Humble me because there are blessings that come to the humble. Luke 10, 4 to 6. Yeah. Carry neither purse, nor scrip, mm. nor shoe, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever as you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. Mm-hmm. Verse 6. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. Did you hear that? So, if you are not making peace in your house, no matter, even if Daddy Joe walks in and say, you know, the, when we're doing the book of Ephesians, I said we should begin to um, pray Christian prayer and begin to greet Christian way. One of the ways Christian, you go to a house, you say, peace be unto this house. And everybody there will say, amen. It's not automatic. What the Bible says, if you people are always fighting in that house, Peace as a law. Then the other one, God forbid, we come back. Praise the Lord. That's why we must keep our homes in peace. Praise the Lord. So I decided to bring this out because Christians, we like to receive. I grab it, I take it, I receive in Jesus' name. You don't know their condition to all receive him. There are conditions to receive him. In fact, when you keep all the conditions quietly, without your even saying, I receive, 
it will locate you. Let's say a man of God from this altar says, you are blessed in the name of Jesus. Peace be upon you. The spirit of peace will be hovering. Looking for a convenient, conducive recipient. And so we go over some people and say, no, mba, no, mba, no, mba, no, not this one. And I go to the right person. But that person may not be saying, I receive it, I receive it. Praise the Lord. So please work for peace. And then let's go back to our text, verse 3 to 6. Verse 3 to 6, we want to. That's want to take it small, small. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 to 6. The Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests, for you all making requests with joy. Now, listen to this. The person that is talking here is a prisoner. Hello? The person speaking here is a prisoner. Is it not rather strange that the one who is in the prison is making requests with joy for those who are free? He said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, that is why he is thanking God for them. My dear brothers and sisters, our bond, our problems should not be a limitation to us. Can I hear an amen? When you are confident in God, you easily thank him even for what he has not done. Why? In verse number six, he said, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it when? Until the day of Christ. Let's assume you are trusting God for a car. All of us are human beings. And in your account, he seated the money for the car. How will you be praying? Eh? You want to buy a car. The money is already in your account. You are just planning how you do it. Okay, you are choosing. Should I go to Elizabeth Toyota or another Toyota? Every morning when you wake up, you say, Father, thank you for the provision of the car. Because it's already said to, isn't it? Praise the Lord. What is giving you that confidence is because you know that there is money. But by faith, by faith, we should equally thank God for everything we need. Not because we have the money, but because we have a God that have the resources. Hello? Everything whatsoever. So, it is easier for us to thank God like that 
knowing that God can do it rather than complaining. This, I want you to get the principle I'm trying to share. You are not feeling fine. You want healing. Rather than pray, Lord, heal me by fire. What if you start thanking God for healing you already? Hello? There are two different things. One is, in the word that we saw in verse 6, being confident of this very thing. When we are confident of anything, rather than have troubles over that thing, we will easily thank God. May the Lord help us to do so in Jesus' name. It all comes by faith. But Apostle Paul was very confident. And that was why he was thanking God that he that begun the work in them will finish it until the day of Christ. In other words, God will sustain them until he returns. Verse 7 says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are my partakers, ye all are partakers of my grace. Dear brothers and sisters, serve God irrespective of your affliction. Like I said earlier, Acts chapter 16, 23 to 25, Acts 20, 23, let's read, and so on and so forth. You discover that Apostle Paul served God all through with his bond. Or bondage, if you like. Yes, let's read. Acts 16, 23 to 25. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stock. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners had them. 26. All right, it's 225. So you can see there, they beat them, they tied them, they put them in prison, and yet they were still able to praise God. We don't pray for affliction. We don't pray for bondage. But if we find ourselves in any situation, Please, brethren, let us serve God also in that affliction. Acts 20, 23. Let's just read them. Ephesians 6, 20. Colossians 4, 3. Anyone you see. Yes? Yes. That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. For which I am also in bonds. For which is in bond. He's in bond. Do I see praying? Say you should pray for him. That he should, he should speak more of that thing that put him in bondage. I think it's a grace 
But we all can desire that grace because there is a great reward. Praise the Lord. Yes, Ephesians 6 20. Save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. Yes, bond and affliction. They told him not to go to Jerusalem, that they will arrest him there. And he still went. Well, hmm, that is special grace, so I can imagine. If it's me now, he told me prophecy clear as you not travel. I want to travel. My wife will just be calling daddy Pipi. Say, sir, better talk to your son. This and this and this. Or won't you do it? Say, it's foolishness for you to be going when they say you should not go. Ah, <laughs> may God help us. But this is, the, this is the line. This is the line. Let's draw the line. Every time you are one against a cause you must dissect that cause if it's of God he will prove himself praise God we are going for evangelism say don't go to that village people who go there don't come back if we all search ourselves say let's search ourselves is anybody committing sin are you once we know we are correct let's go we'll do exploit Praise God. But we do exploit. That was the mentality that brought Christianity to Africa. Don't forget, Africa was a dark continent in those days. But some people risked their life. And they said, those people need Christ. We must go and evangelize them. Even though there was another agenda. They gave us Christianity. They took some things from us. But that's another thing. For another day, praise God. Alright? But thank God, we are the one now giving them back. Refined, reinvigorated, and powerful Christianity. We are taking it back to them. Alright? So, what we are saying here is that no matter what will befall us, once it is the work of God, let's be sure and confident that God will see us through. Praise the Lord. Let's look at other one. Is there any other one we can read? Please, let's hear you. Hold on. Without praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of all trance mm. to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Yes, to speak the mystery of Christ for which is in bond. Now, um, then he prayed the prayer, what I call prayer of sustenance for the Philippians. And that we can find in verse 10 to 11. And this I pray. Number one, I want it read from another translation. Yes. I want another translation, verse number 10 and 11. 
Yes. From good news. Take it. So that you will be able to choose what is best. Correct. Then you will be free from all impurity and blame on the day of Christ. Verse 11. No, stop there first. He's praying for them that they will be able to make the right choices. Praise the Lord. Very, very important. In Christianity, one of the things that destroy us is choices that we make. And so, it will not be out of place to pray that God will always help us to make the right choices. The King James says that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. Whatever is done out of knowledge will be disastrous. Knowledge of God, of course. Knowledge of God, of course. And in all judgment, that is in all choices that we make, that ye may approve things that are excellent, not just good, not just uh, fair, but excellent as Christians, because our God is an excellent God. I want to hear verse 10 from your translation. Okay. New translation. New living, yeah. For I want you to understand what really matters, mm-hmm. so that you may live pure and blameless. Okay. So that you may live pure, pure and, and blameless. blameless. And verse, blameless lives. Verse four, uh, 11 now. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, mm. the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. This prayer of sustenance is what parents should be praying for their children. Hello? Prayer of sustenance. When you pray for your children, it should pour out of your vision for their lives. It should pour out of what you want them to be. It should be born out of what your desires are for them. So, Apostle Paul was praying for these children that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, you know that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I said, is cultivated. It's not a gift. In other words, you must attain to certain level of your Christianity through practice, through crawling and falling, through running and tumbling, and then you begin to bear fruit. So some of those fruit that we bear call the fruit of the Spirit. For instance, what's one of them? Love, yes. Eh? Kindness, yes. Long-suffering. You discover that before you can begin 
to manifest long suffering, you must have suffered long. Hello, does it make sense? You must have some things, you must have fallen and rising in the school of patience and impatience. After some time, you will develop. For me, for instance, as a pastor, over the years, I've come to understand the flock of God better. The way I would dealt with an issue 10 years ago is not the way I would deal with it now. It all came out of bearing fruit from experience. Saying, how can we do it better? How will God have done it? What is God's 